heard about the guy who was at the farmer's market in his town and he was uh, kind of drew his attention over to the, the, the booth that had all these strawberries. And I mean, they were the, 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 the best strawberries I think he'd ever seen. And they were huge and fresh and juicy. And so he went in for a closer look. And, and uh, as he admired the produce there, he struck up a conversation with the farmer. And uh, he told the farmer that his strawberries looked amazing, the best he'd ever seen. And, and the farmers, uh, then he asked the farmer, well, what do you, what do you put on your strawberries? And the farmer said, well, not a lot. We don't use pesticides, but we do use a lot of manure, he said. And the shopper was kind of taken aback, and he said, manure? I usually like to put whipped cream on mine, but, you know, to each his own, whatever whatever you want to do. Last week, we started this series, uh, Rooted, uh, using the metaphor of, of nature and plants and trees to help us understand or get a picture of, uh, of our spiritual lives. We looked at, uh, at Jesus' parable of the sower last week and the four types of soil that can make up, uh, make up our hearts and, and uh, uh, as God's word is planted in us and what that looks like and how, how that can grow in us. And that planting of those, that seed of the word of God, that's very important, but it's not the end, right? It's, it's just a good start. After the planting comes growing. And usually that takes some effort Maybe some fertilizing, right? Maybe, uh, maybe there's some, uh, uh, some cultivating that needs to take place in order for that growth to happen. We plant gardens with the intention of them growing. Whether you use starter plants that you bought from the, the, the nursery or uh, whether you're hardcore and you raise your plants from seeds. I don't know if that's you or not, but, but you're hoping. You don't want those plants to just stay little tiny plants. You're, you're, you're doing that with the express intention of them growing and growing big enough that they will eventually produce whatever it is, whatever kind of plant it is, right? Fruit or, or vegetables. It, it's not enough to just settle for, oh, I've got this cute little plant it's, uh, it's, you're expecting it to grow. You can't make it grow, but you can create an environment around it that is conducive for growth. Our foundational passage for this series is the, the picture uh, drawn by the psalmist in, in Psalm 1-3. You heard it just a minute ago. Uh, it, it says that a righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. A strong, tall tree planted in a great place near the water, bearing fruit, thriving, not withering. That's the picture of spiritual vitality. But not every Christian looks like that. The, uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul wasn't seeing that much at all when he heard reports about the people in one of the churches that he had planted in, in a city called Corinth. Uh, they weren't growing. Uh, good fruit was, was not being produced. You could probably say that they were starting to wither. Instead of growing, among other things, they were arguing. And one big thing they were arguing about was who was cooler based on which preacher they were saved under. I, I mean, kind of weird. Uh, maybe we wouldn't argue about that today, but there was this guy, Apollos, and there's uh, the Apostle Paul, and they were kind of uh, taking, building camps around, one, well, we'll read it. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, it says, brothers, so Paul is writing to this church, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, 
Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So, so these people were arguing with each other over whether they should follow a certain preacher. And Paul had uh, planted the church, and many had come to faith under him, and Apollos came to town a little while later, and he had a different style and a different emphasis, and, and many people were, were, uh, uh, came, came to faith and developed their faith under him. And Paul told them that, uh, that, that, that none of that really mattered, though, because neither he nor Apollos could claim any divine ability to make them grow in their faith. Only God is the one that makes us grow. The, the problem in Corinth was that with all the quarreling and, and jealousy, they had a toxic environment where not much growing could happen. God makes the seed of his word grow in our hearts. You can't just grit your teeth and make yourself grow spiritually any more than you can grit your teeth and, and make your plants grow in your garden. Boy, that'd be nice, right? Or, uh, you know, you've seen kids kind of grit their teeth and try to grow an inch taller, right? And it just it doesn't work that way, right? You can't make yourself grow spiritually, but you can create an environment that is conducive to growth. In your garden, that means watering and weeding and fertilizing and pruning all the things that help nature do what nature does. In your physical life, uh, that means eating healthy foods, exercising, spending time, uh, reading and learning and, and working and playing and developing, all the things that go into a, a well-rounded, healthy life, creating an environment where you can be healthy and you can grow, and that works a whole lot better than, than sitting around eating junk food and binging Netflix, right? We, we, we want a healthy lifestyle. And, and in your spiritual life, when you, when you spend time developing and, and practicing spiritual habits and disciplines, you're creating an environment in your soul that is open and ready for the growing work of God in your life. God brings the growth, but we are responsible to create an environment where he can do that. So, are you growing spiritually? As, as we see Paul expressing his frustration here with the people of Corinth, we see that it's, it's not enough to just start out well. I, I think there are a lot of people who have, who have prayed a prayer at some point, uh, committing their lives to Christ, but then they never go much beyond that. It's kind of like the, the, the woman who complained to her husband that, that he never said, I love you. And the man said, well, listen, I told you I loved you on our wedding day, and if that ever changes, I'll let you know, right? It, it doesn't work that way, right? Guys, that's... Let's not follow that example. Uh, following Jesus is not just a one-time decision. It's a relationship that's meant to grow and develop and, and get closer and richer over time. So, I mean, it, that, that, that first-time decision is, is very important. I mean, that decision to follow Christ is, 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 is essential. It's, it's awesome if you've made that decision at some point in your life to, to confess your sin and to invite Jesus into your life, but... But unfortunately, I think many folks think that just praying a one-time prayer is the magic formula that gets them into heaven. 
They, they, they think that they can just pray that quick prayer and then live however they want. As someone once said, most people live all week sowing their wild oats and then they go to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure, right? A couple of you got it. But that's not the picture of a vibrant, healthy tree planted by streams of water that the psalmist lays out, uh, so, uh, a tree that is producing fruit and thriving. That's not, that's not the picture of that. We, we can't just rely on a good start spiritually. We have to grow. And God is the one who provides the growth if we let him. If, if we put ourselves in places where he can. Are you growing spiritually? Have you, have you even tried to evaluate your spiritual progress? Have you even asked that question in a while? Uh, Paul uh, wrote a lot of letters. In most of our New Testament is those letters that this, this, uh, this uh, missionary, Paul, church planter, uh, he traveled around and he planted these churches and then he wrote letters to them. And, and so he, he had this guy, Timothy, that was kind of his protege that he was carrying along. And, and there's a couple of uh, books there in the, in the middle of the New Testament, uh, letters that he wrote to, to this guy, Timothy. And, uh, and it, when, when Paul wrote that uh, the, in First in, uh, in Timothy chapter 4, he was, uh, he was encouraging Timothy to evaluate his own spiritual life and, and his own growth as a follower of God and as a leader of the church. In First Timothy 4.12, he, he actually gave Timothy a list, almost a checklist. Are you, are you doing this? He, he says that, that, that he should give attention to things like his speech. How are you, how are, how are you, uh, communicate? Are you communicating well? Or does your speech, uh, uh, portray or live up to the righteousness of God? Uh, uh, he, he talks about his, his life, how he conducts himself each day, his, his love, his, his relationships. How are his relationships in, in regards to his spiritual life? His, his faith, that, that walk with God and his purity, his inner life and his character. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example in all of these things. How, how are you doing it all? Paul knew that if Timothy wasn't giving attention to all of those areas of his life, then his spiritual influence would falter. A few verses later, Paul underlined the point by, by, by writing these words, watch your life and doctrine closely. In other words, Paul knew something that we sometimes forget. If you don't give constant attention to your spiritual life, you're going to start to wither. You won't be that strong, healthy, vibrant tree. I'm not sure that, that we're all that good at, at taking time to evaluate our spiritual growth and vitality. I, we, we, uh, we, we, uh, in other areas of, life, of our life, maybe we're, we're better or worse than, than others. We, we, we might watch what we eat. We might take time to exercise. We, we make sure our kids are in all the right activities. We do our best at our jobs, and, and uh, we have the hope of success and, and promotion, we want to live in the right neighborhood with the right house and the right cars and the right toys. We, we take all kinds of time to pursue our hobbies. We, we keep up on the latest shows and movies and games and, and uh, scrolling through the right posts, right? We, we want to have a long, fulfilling life. Jesus said in Matthew 16, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? So have you thought lately about whether you're growing spiritually? Investing uh, that time, some time and effort into developing, cultivating an environment where God can help you grow. You can't make yourself grow, but you can create an environment where God can do his work in you. Unfortunately, we get busy and we get distracted and many times our spiritual lives are not the priority. 
So we've got this, this metaphor of this tree and, and uh, uh, nature and growth and all that. I'm going to switch metaphors for just a minute from the, uh, uh, from the garden to the, to the doctor's office. Every day, uh, most of us are, are conscious about, uh, to an extent anyway, about what's going on in our bodies. If I don't feel right, then maybe I stay, pay more attention to, oh, what, well, what's going on here? Is this just the burrito that I shouldn't have eaten? Or, or is this something more, more uh, uh, you know, serious that's going on? And, and when we're, we're not sure what's going on with our health and, and we can't figure it out, we, we go to the doctor. Probably most of you uh, go at least once a year just to make sure everything's all, all good. When I go to the doctor for a physical, he follows a, a predetermined procedure. I have set aside time for my schedule to devote to the appointment. Usually it's kind of inconvenient. I'm not exactly looking forward to it. Sometimes I've, I've done some preparation beforehand, like, like uh, maybe blood tests or fasting or, or whatever the case might be. When I get uh, in the waiting room, then they, they call me back and the nurse uh, uh, gathers my information and, and my height and my weight and my temperature and my blood pressure, all those vital signs, right, to see if I'm vital, I guess, right? And then, uh, then she, she asks questions regarding how I'm feeling, if I think anything's wrong, anything she should call attention to the doctor about. And, and uh, a few minutes later, the doctor comes in. You know how that goes. They barely, and, oh, is there, oh, and then, there. okay, anyway. Uh, he, he comes in, and, and uh, he has all the information from the nurse, and he has my full chart at his disposal, and he can see my medical history. He can see what, what I'm susceptible to, the, the problems that I've dealt with in the past. He can see what he's asked me to do at previous appointments and can follow up on whether I'm doing those things or not, right? To an extent, I guess, he knows me inside and out. Then he starts the exam, the, the, the looking and the thumping and the probing and the listening and, and all those things. And, and he asks questions to get a well-rounded picture of my health. And he lets me know what the test results have indicated. And usually at the close of the appointment, he lays out solutions for things that might be wrong. And maybe that's a prescription or it's exercises to do or new habits to form or what to eat or not to eat. Or, or maybe it's more tests to get done to look into something further. He gives me practical professional advice on what would be helpful to do from here on out so that I'll be as physically healthy healthy as I can be. And so if, if that is our picture of what it looks like to make sure that we're healthy physically, maybe that same type of evaluation would help us spiritually. Let's put our souls in the hands of the great physician. He, he knows our past, what we've been through, what we're susceptible to, right? How, how we've been doing on things that he's told us to do in the past. And with our best interests as his number one goal, we allow him to, to poke and prod and find what might be ailing us so that we can be as healthy as possible in our spiritual lives. You know, one, one big part of the conversation with the doctor at a checkup usually uh, revolves around our habits, right? Healthy habits tend to produce healthy lives. Unhealthy habits produce unhealthy lives. Uh, most of the time, uh, that, uh, that, 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 can, that is a general uh, guideline to follow. And uh, this is what seems to have frustrated Paul the most when he's writing in, in 1 Corinthians 3. I mean, these folks, uh, he, he called them worldly. He said they were still worldly. In other words, they had bad habits and they were still living like the unhealthy world around them. When Paul and God had done so much for them, they weren't growing. They were still uh, had these, these bad habits that were drawing them away from that growth. I, and I would guess, I'm not a doctor, don't play one on TV, but uh, uh, I can't use that joke anymore. I, I, don't, I don't think that's, I'm just old. Um, 
I would guess that this is where, uh, where, where doctors get frustrated the most too. Unhealthy habits cause so much disease and untimely death that could be avoided with consistent good choices. And, and, and the doctor, I mean, they can't do it for us, right? Uh, the, the, the doctor won't strap you to the treadmill or force you at gunpoint to eat a salad instead of a candy bar. Those are personal choices. Those are our decisions, our convictions that we have to make for ourselves. And spiritual habits work the same way. I can't force you to spend time in prayer. It doesn't work if I try to spoon-feed you the Bible. The church board won't force you to serve in the nursery. The church is not going to hack into your bank account, calculate 10%, and take it. Although, no one can develop good spiritual habits for you. That's up to you. And there are a few basic, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can do. Anything that we do with the express intent of growing spiritually is a spiritual habit or discipline. I, I want to highlight just a couple basic things this morning, uh, uh, but, but there are many, many things. And so I, I would hope and pray that, uh, that the, the, the huge takeaway from today is, am I growing spiritually? How can I, what can I do and implement in my life that would help me to grow more, to allow God to do his work in me more, But there are a few basic habits that, that should be a regular part of our lives as, as followers of Jesus. If we, if we do those things, then, then, then God will help us grow. And if we don't, then we won't be seeing much growth and development. And, and they, they help develop the environment of our souls to produce growth. And one habit revolves around scripture, reading and studying the Bible. Now... I, I think that in this crowd, most of you would agree that the Bible is very important to spiritual growth and development. It, it contains truth from God. It has instructions for living. Uh, you'd probably agree with me that the Bible contains the very words of God. Let, let me pose a hypothetical this morning. It's just strictly hypothetical. I'm sure it's not happening, but just strictly hypothetical. Let's say that you, you uh, believe that the Bible is the very word of God, but let's say that you hardly ever read the Bible. And that you zone out at church during the sermons. I mean, I do too sometimes, it's all right. You zone out during the sermons and, and, and you're not using the Bible to direct how you live and, and to make the decisions that you're making in your life. I mean, you, you believe it, the Bible is God's word, but I mean, hypothetical speaking, you're, you're not really using it day to day. You're not reading it. So eventually, eventually it doesn't play much of a role in your day to day life. But let's say that in the meantime, Again, hypothetically speaking, in the meantime, you're taking in other opinions and theories and ideas from a lot of other places. Somebody says something on social media that you hear. Someone, uh, uh, something else is, is, uh, is, is said on the, on the news over here. Maybe there's a certain lifestyles that are portrayed on TV or in the movies or, or on TikTok or wherever you're, you're uh, getting your, uh, uh, your, your information. Your, your friend says something that kind of makes sense and your coworker lives by this certain mantra and you think, well, that's interesting. I kind of, that kind of sounds cool. And, and, and slowly, maybe not so slowly, Hypothetically speaking, you, you, you start to believe things that the Bible doesn't say at all. And it's kind of subtle, but since, since you're not spending much time with the Bible, and instead you're listening to all these other sources for truth, you start to drift toward a worldly way of living instead of following the 
the Bible and what it says. And so what you believe politically or socially or environmentally or, or whateverly you want to put in there, uh, you start to end up more worldly. Sounds an awful lot like the Corinthians that Paul was talking to. I, I think that this has a lot to say about the issues that we face in our society right now. Many people who would call themselves Christians have begun to lift policy and politics and agendas and preferences higher than the truths of God. And until uh, they, they've done that, until those things have become the guiding forces of their lives instead of the truths of Scripture. And that's not a political statement. That's a spiritual statement. Uh, Spending time, real time, not only reading, but learning and wrestling with and understanding and obeying and talking about Scripture is vital to your spiritual growth. It's, it's one primary way that God grows us spiritually. You will not be that strong, healthy tree planted by streams of water and producing spiritual fruit without spending time, much time, concerted effort, in, in, in digging through the, 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 the mine of the, of the scriptures. One, just one thing that we must invest our time and effort in if we're going to be spiritual, uh, spiritually growing the way God desires us to be. Spending time with his word. Prayer is another one. Uh, it's an important habit for developing an environment uh, uh, that, that where God can help you grow. I don't think there's a single person here uh, uh, or online or who might log into this three years from now. Hey, we're welcome to the future. Um, or welcome to the past, I guess I would say. Anyway, uh, I, I, the, no one within the, the, the sound of my voice would say that prayer isn't important, right? You believe that. Do you pray? <laughs> Is, is God the one who make? if God is the one who makes us grow, then it's probably pretty important to stay in communication with him. And that's what prayer is. We stay in communication with God. Uh, just in your, in your own mind right now, uh, rate your, your prayer life on a scale of one to ten. Don't share it with anybody else, just you, your own, your own uh, scale. Uh, it's, it's strictly your own evaluation. Where would you be on a scale of one to ten uh, if, if you rated your prayer life? Are you okay with that number? Maybe you are. Maybe you think, oh, there's, there's room to improve. I, I guess my challenge, what if over the next few weeks, what if over the next month uh, you decided to move up one notch? So, uh, so, so if I ask you this question in, uh, on Father's Day Sunday, uh, four weeks from now, if I say, uh, where's your prayer life, you could say, well, I'm here and it's, it's at least one notch higher. Maybe that, that can be your, if, if you were a two, then maybe you've moved up to a three. Or, or if you're a six, then you're going to do what it takes over the next few weeks, whatever you deem that to be, whatever, however God and his spirit leads you, what are the things that you could do to, to move that up to a seven? If you're a nine, come on up here and preach and I'll sit down and listen to figure out what it takes to become a nine. God can't grow your soul without a prayer life. And we talk about prayer and we say we believe in prayer and, and we want to pray and, and we, we like it when other people pray and sometimes it's just tough for us to take that time to pray. So spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer. Another basic one is, is the church. Now, uh, I'm, as they say, preaching to the choir, 
We, we don't have a choir, so maybe you don't know that, that term, but uh, uh, you, you guys are here, and, and that's, that's great, but a commitment to the priority of participating in worship and study and community with other Christians, that's vital to our walk with God. That's part of the environment where God grows us. He uses other people to, to help us grow, and he'll, he'll use you to help other people grow. It's this community thing, and we're in this together, and, and so we grow together. Uh, the, the environment of the church is a key part of the the fertilizer that God uses for our growth and development. Again, like I said, any uh, spiritual habit that you develop that is going with the intention of, of growing spiritually, it, it's going to be going to going to be awesome and, and create a place where God can help you grow. Those are just three basic ones. There are so many others. You can, uh, we could talk about fasting. We could talk about giving. We could talk about rest and Sabbath. We could talk about silence and solitude. There's books and, and uh, uh, websites and podcasts and all the things where you can find, find out and, and learn more and, and, and develop. And I guess the challenge is to, that you would take time to prayerfully consider what spiritual habits God might want you develop, to develop in order to grow your faith. Maybe uh, God's word and prayer and the church, you got those down, but maybe there's some other places where you could, could develop some other things and God is leading you in other directions. So I, I, the, I challenge you to plan ahead and to be intentional and, and to rearrange your schedule. Invest in, in tools that will help you. I mean, there's, there's more information than ever in the history of the planet of uh, ways that you, spiritual helps that you can have access to. And yet we are, uh, we are foundering, I think, as, as the church, Big C, in, in really growing and developing in our faith it's it, it's important to uh to to make this a priority yeah if if you don't stay healthy physically without practicing uh, uh habits uh that promote health you're not going to stay healthy physically if, if you're not doing those things and, and you won't grow spiritually if, if you're not developing these spiritual habits they are the good soil and the weeding and the fertilizer and the water that make up the environment where god can help you grow. There's a, there's a great little phrase at the end of 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 3 there that we read in verse 9. It says, you are God's field. I, maybe, some of you are farmers, maybe, but uh, most of you, maybe we could translate that to you are God's garden. In other words, and here I think is a, is a key thing that we need to settle in our hearts and our minds today. God has plans for you to grow. God wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to just uh, stay uh, kind of off to a good start, but not really going anywhere. God has plans for you to grow. He wants you to be like a tree planted by streams of water, bearing fruit, not withering, but thriving. So partner with him, creating an environment in your heart and life where that growth can take place. And I know that when you do, I have the same confidence that, that the Apostle Paul had as he encouraged yet another church in, uh, in a city called Philippi. In Philippians 1, six. he said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's God that makes us grow. We need to partner with him to create the environment where he can do that. 